Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardawar. I'm Reviews Editor Sherlyn Lowe. And today, we're going to be diving into the Android 11 beta. Very exciting. I know. I think one of us is more... Are you really more, excited, though? One of us is more excited <laughs> about this than the other, but it did bring to mind the idea of mobile platforms and where we are. So... Mm-hmm. We'll be getting to that soon. If you've been enjoying the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a review on iTunes. It's all very helpful. And if you've got any questions or comments, drop us a note at podcast at Engadget.com. We've also got a forum. And today to join us to talk about the Android 11 beta, we've got Florence Ion, freelance Woo! journalist and podcaster. Flo, how's it going? Uh, I would have to say there's actually two to one ratio going on right now in terms of excitement <laughs> for Android 11. So yes. you are outnumbered yeah. today, Devendra. I'm sorry. Yeah, and where can we find your workflow? You're all over the I place, am all right? over the internet. Um, I do a show on Twit every week. I do a show on Relay FM every week. Um, I've got my own podcast. I write for you guys. I write for Life yeah. I write for Android Police. <laughs> So I'm just, I have my hand in many pots, um, you know. You're Miss Android. I feel like you're you're tied to so Thank many you. Android things. <laughs> I, so you're, yeah, you are a perfect voice to bring on for this. Although I feel like I painted myself into a corner here because I you already did. have enough like Android fangirlism to deal with from Sherlyn. So now, <laughs> wow. now it's like double. Okay. So first of all, what is the Android 11 beta? I'll let you guys take this, take it away. Yeah. So, okay, so the Android 11 beta is basically like a preview version of, you know, the next version of Android, right? Which the current stable version is Android 10. Mm-hmm. It was meant to, well, we were expecting it at the supposed Google I.O. We didn't, well, nobody knows if, you know, that was meant to be revealed <laughs> there. But, you know, now that Google I.O. is not happening, well, not now that. But anyway, it got canceled. And then Google was like, here, we're going to do a launch event on June 3rd. And then the Black Lives Matter protest hap- happened. And they decided to delay it by another week um, mm-hmm. just because it wasn't time to celebrate was their wording. And now this week, we got the Android 11 beta. We've been able to download this potentially buggy version of the software <laughs> onto our Pixels. Pixel mm-hmm. 2 or newer, if you're listening and you want it. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know, Flo, have you played with it? Because I have my thoughts, but I'd love to hear if you, you, you know, what you thought of it. So we've been talking about this on All About Android for, like, weeks, months, uh, just mm-hmm. about, like, what to expect. I got it on my Pixel 3 last night because I'm... Mm-hmm. Side note, I am switching to the OnePlus 8 because I'm trying Ooh. this, like, new... <gasps> How dare you? Well, I'm trying... <laughs> well, I've been on a Pixel for, like, four years going on now, and so I'm trying yeah. to, like diversify my experiences anyway that's neither here nor there but in that process um i 
uploaded the Android Open Beta onto my Pixel 3, and like thus far, it's been fine. Um, I'm having mm-hmm. some SIM card issues, so I'm stuck on the Pixel oh. 3 with whatever oh. this beta is. So that's going to be an interesting... I think I'm going to live Ooh. with it today Ooh. and kind of like use it and see... And see how it really serves me. Thus far, I will tell you, like, my first thing that I thought of, even the first thing I thought of when I got up this morning at 6, mm-hmm. thank you, baby Mona, um, was, what is this, like, the, there's apps <laughs> that are docked on the the first home screen. What are what are oh, these apps? I know Charlene like, has so a lot to say. Originally, yeah. I have, like, the way I do my launcher is I have everything strategically placed on the different home screens. Like, I've been doing this yeah. for years as yes. an Android user. That's why I like it. <laughs> yes, But exactly. they just added this dock. It's like, here's your most used apps. Like, but I yeah. didn't ask for that, though. I don't. It's funny because, I... like, hardcore Android users, right? You guys, uh, I feel like a big reason you're on this, uh, right. this weird platform is uh, customizability. Wow. Yes. And just, like, the ability to, like, shape your home screens into many different ways. Why why <laughs> take that away a little bit, Google? Man. I, uh, I Okay, so that, I think, if I'm not wrong, Flo, is the suggested row yes. on the home screen. And it is something that, uh, they for me, I don't know if for you they did this, but for me, they, they asked my permission before enabling it. Um, <laughs> there was a Pixel um, app that, you know, threw out, like, a notification that was like, hey, enable this feature. And then my favorite thing about this feature just from like my Schrodinger perspective, is that when you enable it, yeah, it does like pop up an extra row of apps at the bottom of your home screen. When you disable it, your the row of apps goes away, but that space remains behind. Oh, that's not <laughs> good. I mean, you could you could put other stuff in there eventually, right? You have to reorganize all your apps and bring them back down one row. Um, Gotta so love enjoy it. that. But it's just a funny little bug. Um, I will say, like I. I, I understand your experience. Like, I've been on a Pixel for so long, too. And then I've switched back and forth between a Galaxy S20, uh, S20 Ultra and then also a OnePlus 8 that I've been trying to just, you know, use because my Pixel 3 screen is a little cracked. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I still really love the Pixel UI. And that's why I think the Android okay. 11 beta means so much to me because it's... Mm-hmm. It's like firsthand, like the first changes you'll see like ever on Android, which is such a huge platform. Like, let's be honest here. It's the biggest mobile software, mobile OS in the world. And yeah, it's a little fragmented, but a for little, the most part. A little fragmented? <laughs> Even all in a little statement. <laughs> Just a tad. Just a tad. Yeah. And I mean, the fact that we have to get used to a OnePlus phone versus a Samsung phone versus a Pixel phone right. is saying something. Right. But anyway. Yeah, I will say that last night when I was like configuring the OnePlus 8, um, I was pleasantly surprised to see that yeah. the settings were where they were supposed to be. Like, I, I w- it was yeah. very easy for me to jump in and like figure out what was going on and then yeah. know what it was that I was getting Um on the OnePlus that I was not getting on the Pixel. So, like, being in the settings. Oh, for like, sure. Oh, I don't have these features on my Pixel. Um, yes. But that said, now I'm waffling between, do I want these new, this new notification <laughs> interface <laughs> situation that's going on? Because, like, it, I think visually... <laughs> I'm holding up my my phone, by the yeah, way. Yeah, this is not a video podcast, bro. <laughs> I know, wow. but I want you guys you to have a visual. Me. I'm looking at you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate um, it. I'm looking. But, so I like the like UI, just the general yes. design of this UI. But I also 
haven't really used it with a lot of notifications coming through and that's what scares me yes yes absolutely so okay so let's let's get into it because i feel like we got a little mm -hmm. ahead of ourselves but i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of like run you guys through what to expect with these android 11 beta so google pitched it as revolving around three pillars um people uh controls and privacy that's just marketing speak doesn't make a lot of sense i'm going to tell you what it's really about so <laughs> number one your your messaging is going to be very different for first of all they're going to introduce this thing called bubbles which let's i'll get to the real experience later but bubbles basically if you remember facebook messenger had this feature called chat heads and they're like little floating buttons on top of your screen you can drag them anywhere you can like leave them on top of other apps and return to a conversation whenever you want to it sounds great uh, the other thing is the, like consolidated device and media controls. There will be like um, an area in your notifications shade or your quick settings panel at the top of your notifications shade that is dedicated to a persistent media player if you want it. And then if you hold down the power button long for a while, it'll also bring up controls for devices that are connected to your like phone. So like smart lights, for complicated. example. Well, yeah. you hang on. Yeah. It's not <laughs> terrible. And then there's there's permissions and privacy. Uh, Android 11 is going to enable this new thing called a one-time permission setting, which I think is very, actually very good. Uh, and then there's just like more like so-called organization of your notifications area by consolidating all your um, message alerts in one location in your notification sheet right at the top of it. So so I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll break it down deeper in a little bit. But overall, I, I, I think it sounds like Google's trying to introduce more controls mm. and more ways for you to control things, but also try to help you organize some of these things um, in the notification sheet, except for now that I've played with the Android 11 beta, it does not feel organized at all. <laughs> I don't know, Flo, what do you think? To be fair, it is a beta. So you're just like, yeah. you're already, that contract is like in the name, like this is a beta, yep. this is what you're getting into. But I do agree right. with you that I think coming from the last couple versions of Android, this just feels very like, whoa, there's a bunch of like new little UI elements. Some yeah. of them are helpful. Like I actually do like that power menu. I think it's a lot mm. easier Me too. than turning the phone on, unlocking it, tapping on Google Pay, for instance, which I use. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But a couple of the other things like the chat bubbles, I... Don't bother me. <laughs> like, you know what didn't, I mean? Like I, Facebook, I Facebook has tried bubbles, like messenger right. bubbles, like it's several years ago. That's where it came and from. I've always yep. hated it. I've always hated it. It's so hard to keep track of anything, right? Well, and a it's lot super of people disruptive. hate it. It's like, it Bing, hey, friend, how are you doing? Hey, I was wondering. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's like, yeah. Really? And also, depending on how uh, Android implements it, it's not a very easy way to organize. Let's say you have like seven messages going on, then all the heads stack on top of each other, and you're trying to find that one. Say I'm talking to Dev, Ben, Flo, and then like three other Engadget people. If I want to look for Flo, how do I do it? Like, it, mm. it's, it's, a, it's a process. I will say, though, right now, as part of this beta, and again, Flo's right to point out it's just a beta so far. Oh, Bubbles, the API only works with Facebook Messenger for now. Oh, so it's, not of like course. <laughs> it's not like I even got to see it with that another app. That explains why I haven't had it pop up yet. yet. Um, I don't have, yeah. I quit Facebook. Me too, same. And so I was like, well, one of the reasons I quit Facebook was because chat heads was annoying. And so, well, good luck trying to implement this. Um, <laughs> you cannot escape the chat heads. They are yeah. they're everywhere we, now. We wow. reached out to WhatsApp for comment. Um, we reached out to WhatsApp and Telegram for comment. WhatsApp came back with a no comment. So I don't know if they're actually super enthused by this. We You would need developer 
um, support for this to be widespread. Mm -hmm. But the good news is I think it sounds like we can disable bubbles. Um, it's not going to be something that's in your face. Yeah, right? and you can search for it in the settings panel, by the way. Yeah. So mm -hmm. easily mm -hmm. just type in bubbles and then disable turn it off yeah. and when it comes to yeah. whatsapp by the way like aren't they i think they're a little more precious about their their actual chats because it's a little it's a little more protected right it's not the same stuff as like facebook messenger even though it's all protected. facebook so yeah i mean they're they're the end-to-end -end encrypted app yeah. on the facebook family yeah. of apps so yeah i mean they're you can't just do that precious. in bubblies just for fun it's like guys we're doing serious business here <laughs> it has to be well. protected Serious business but with stickers and gifts. But with stickers. <laughs> so what what else beyond these uh these very useful sounding bubbles? What else is going on with the Android eleven beta? One thing I pointed out and, and I think Flo you alluded to as well is the uh consolidated notifications for people who are messaging you. So now there's a top area called conversations and anyone that messages you, let's say in Telegram, on WhatsApp, on Facebook Messenger, it shows up in that corner, in that area. Uh and you can use that as a way to be like, Okay, these people need my attention right now, let's get back to them. Or or set a reminder for yourself to get back to it later, which I actually think is a pretty cool feature, except for I haven't seen it. Um, it's supposed to be, I don't know, it's, it's supposed to be a bit more like a, a better way of organizing. I, I don't like it. I don't want yet another section in my <laughs> notification shade. There's already a lot. Android already does the alerting notifications, the silent notifications as these little header bars in my yeah. notification list. And I, I don't need so many sections. Flo, do you, do you like it? Um, no, I think the notification <laughs> shade, I, the thing I always loved about Android from the beginning when I first started using mm. it was the notification shade. And I feel like in recent yeah. years, it's gotten really, really bloated. Um, yes. And, and to the point where it can get, I mean, right now I have a lot of uh, permanent notifications that live in there. Like, God, same. Wise camera is running. Great. Uh, yes. IFTTT is working in the background. Like, great. Yes. You're supposed to be able to now <laughs> easily... I guess silent it. Okay, let's see. So yeah. you well, can't this, really. This all though. sounds like some notification shade. Oh wow! Yeah. Uh, no. Wow. Dev, no. Mm -mm. <laughs> I'm clapping no. over here. I thought that was pretty good. I don't, I don't think anybody has gotten notifications right. I think like even Apple with iOS has been yeah. you know, reshaping it over the years. It's cleaner than it ever has been, but it's also still like I never want to see that screen. Basically, yeah. like if you're if you're a notification, I'm not seeing you immediately. I don't care about you. I'm not going to go browsing around that screen. I don't know if you guys treat notifications differently. To me, they're like emails, you know, yeah. like yep. uh, yeah. I will glance at them and like, oh, are you a good email? I will click on you. Otherwise, my personal inbox is just piling up of yep. like garbage yeah. and things I don't actually care about. I was just going to say, I really like the Windows 10 notification panel because you can just oh, like yeah. click it in mm -hmm. and out and then you can like, oh, yeah. okay, I'm going to deal with this right now. I'm going to deal with this right now. So it's kind of like a task list. Yeah. 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 Although their pop-ups like are that. much worse. Uh, their pop-ups stay around and then yeah. you can't do anything on the window around the that area. Are annoying. But other than that, it's good. Yeah. Sorry, I got really mad for a second there. But, uh, <laughs> it's okay. It can be so angry. They've gotten me in trouble before. That's why. <laughs> uh, but I do think that uh, notifications are a delicate balance. I think it's because these companies can't figure out what really matters to us just yet. And they, they do need to figure out. But we'll get into like all the different companies and the differences in a little bit. Android, the 11 beta, we talked about the power button mm -hmm, menu, mm -hmm. which Flo, you and I both like. I do think I it's a little easier for me because I only have five connected devices, being I live in a tiny apartment. <laughs> but imagine, I don't know how big of your house is, Flo. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> 
I mean, how many? It sounds like you have a lot. How well, does a podcasting queen live? Tell us about well, your hassle. Well, because you know, you guys know I like live in the deep suburbs and like I'm uh-huh. fully ensconced in the idea of like the smart home. I have I love so it. many devices in my house. I have a um, minimum of 15 like smart display, Ooh. smart speaker situations yes. going mm-hmm. on. It's it's not. Oh, I'm I'm so Flo, I'm in the middle of getting ready to move from an apartment to my like first grown-up house, so I am fully ready to like yeah. wire up every so every great. inch of that house. So yeah. I feel you. I, yeah. Well, because I, side note, my husband is really into like playing music for the baby. So there's like a Google Aww. Home, there's a Nest Mini in every like bathroom. It's so good. Can, like, it's so good. Soft music when she's taking a bath. Anyway, yeah. um, so because of that, I really do like to see this power menu. And as you can see, it's called mm-hmm. the Flaric Abode, which is a combination of my name and my husband's. Name. <laughs> and, uh, but so far, the only the only um, widgets, I guess I should say, it offers yeah. me is the three rooms that are on there's all lights my office and in his office and then Mm -hmm. again i live deep in the suburbs just fyi um and then we have the three nest cameras um okay but not all of them so like the doorbell isn't on here which is something that i would want to have up in front right easy access yeah so i so let me let me i i spoke to google about this after i tested mine out (laughs) um (laughs) So for me, I had to install first the Google Home app on this on the Pixel, which I, for some reason, didn't have before the mm. devices showed up. And only my lights are showing up. So I have smart displays, I have smart speakers, and they're not actually showing up on the power menu. Let me describe for, for our listener, because maybe you, you need to imagine this graphically, right? So basically, when you long press the power button, the panel slides in, it takes over the whole screen. At the top, you'll see your like Google Pay cards that you've enrolled. And then the bottom half of this panel is dedicated to these little tiles. Um, and they take up like a two by, I don't know, four to 10 grid, depending on how many devices. And the first tile is for all lights or all devices, I guess. I haven't seen other devices yet. And then uh, it sounds like according to Flow Setup, there's rooms that are organized based on how you set up your Google Home app or connected device app. Mm-hmm. And then each individual device also gets its own tile following that. So if you have like a smart speaker or a smart light and a smart camera or security camera, they each get their own light. And, and tapping these tiles turns them either on, off, or if you have a preset like I did, just jumps to that preset so for me on my google home app my most frequently used preset is eight (laughs) percent get all my lights at eight percent because i guess that's romantic (laughs) um so when i hit the all lights button i don't know if for you flo this did it but for me uh you can with one tap turn them all off at once or turn them all to 100 percent for me turning instead of turning them to 100 percent, i tap all lights and it went to eight percent so that's, I think, because I had a preset. And I'm not sure if... Mm-hmm. Uh, so, And then when I spoke to Google, they were like, yeah, we're aware that not all devices... Well, I asked them, they, they had to ask their team, first of all. And the team was like, oh, yeah, not all devices are showing up yet. We're working to add support for more. This, uh, this by talk. the way, is like the inherent problem with every like smart device yes. collecting app. Because um, you know, when the, the Echo Plus, Amazon's Echo Plus, added Smart Hub functionality a couple of years ago... It could only see some of the devices in yeah. my house. Uh, meanwhile, I still had to use the Hue app to connect to other things. Oh. Um, it is, it's it's all very confusing. I, I want some unified smart home standards, folks. Come on. Let's make I this mean, happen. I know they, my, they're coming, but eventually, right? My robot yeah. vacuum isn't in that power menu. And like, maybe I would right. like instant well, right. access to turn it on and off, you know? I mean, 
Exactly, exactly. So so Google says it's adding more. Hopefully your robot vacuum will be added to it. But mm-hmm. I mean, Flo, you have a more, I think, why, like a bigger smart home setup than I do. Do you find that this will be like useful for you moving forward if they add more support? Yeah, they need to add more support to it because right now yeah. it's really... It, it takes too many taps to go into the Google Home app. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm having, yes. as much as I appreciate the voice functionality, when it comes to like getting the light setting just right in like the baby's room, there's three different smart situations in there. Mm-hmm. And to that end, two different ecosystems running in her room. We have like oh, TP-Link, wow. Casa, and Hugh in there. Um, just because I have like outlets for some of the lights mm-hmm. or whatever. And so getting that like just perfect is very difficult which is why I put mm-hmm. a Nest Hub in there. So I could just, I want something akin to the Nest Hub where I can yes. swipe down and I just have like this control panel, you know, back to the future yeah. style. Like I could just click and tap and boom, it's like yeah. what I want. It's a lot to wrangle. Not that I'm complaining, <laughs> but you know. <laughs> any any other major features, folks? Because uh, I mean, nothing so- sounding super exciting. At this point, we're talking about so notification it's not, bubbles. It's not super. Yeah. I don't think personally yeah. it's super exciting. I think we're at the point to Android now. I remember I remember back in the day, uh, mm. <laughs> like when we had the whole UI overhaul. Um, I think mm. it was from Marshmallow to uh, Lollipop to Marshmallow. Mm. Um, was that for? That was super yeah. exciting because that, that was, was nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was a huge overhaul. So we were like, oh, my God. But now it just feels like a lot of maintenance, a lot of um, mm-hmm. trying to keep up with the rest of the industry because yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, I know this is something y'all wanted to chat about, but like in relation to how Apple's doing things and just like how mm-hmm. Amazon is coming in with its like smart home stuff, there's a lot <laughs> of, uh, yeah, there's a lot of polishing that needs to be done to, mm-hmm. to yes. kind of start getting people sold on this stuff. I feel yeah. like everybody's in maintenance mode at this point. I mean, Apple's yeah. the same way. Uh, one thing I want to bring up is just that, yeah, this is the first Android 11 beta. We'll likely see more stuff happen in future, yes. you know, with future updates. And also, Google does usually have, like, a bigger event closer to the end of the yeah. year where we get some, like, big features and, like, so newer I, things to look forward to, right? Absolutely. I do think that we we tend to see Google reserve some of these bigger things like call screening or recorder app that has transcription on device um, come out uh, around the time of the Pixel phone launch, which is usually in October. We don't know what that looks like this year because of the pandemic and everything. But yeah, as Flo and Dev have both said, this is preview software. They're not going to give away the goods at this stage, really. <laughs> but. I think they do four versions, four beta versions before the final. And I was just looking, just looking at the date, uh, remembering it's June. I mean, that means we only have four months until that supposed next Pixel launch. Um, And we're still waiting for the Pixel 4a, by the way. Exactly. Which was rumored to come out this month. We don't know. We don't know. You had mentioned, by the way, Sherland privacy was going to be a big thing. Can we quickly, like, just, yeah, how, how, what, what is This is actually, funnily enough, this might be my favorite Android Uh 11 beta feature, which is one-time permissions. Um, You know how when you install a new app, you have to grant it permission to your camera or your mic, at least on Android. I don't know about you guys on iOS. Um, So previously, the uh, permission options were allow all the time, allow only while using the app or deny. And now you have the option, the options have completely, well, sort of completely changed. You can only allow while using the app or 
one-time permission, so like only this time, or deny. So there's no longer the option to access all the time, your GPS location or your mic or your camera, which is great. I don't think any app should have background access all the time. Um, and then the one-time permission option is really good for the apps that you download, install, use once, and then forget about, which I think a lot of people do. Flo, did you like this? Yeah, I like this. Especially I like the one, I like the fact that it will reset the permission and ask you yes. if you used it in a while because- That's my favorite. Yeah, I mean, that adds um, credence to the idea of the assistant, like Google being yes. the assistant in this situation. I agree. I mean, I, I still have some issues with Android's uh, understanding of my app habits because. <laughs> <laughs> what do you? I mean, come on! It's just Google. They're just collecting no, data. Stop. Nothing bad's no. gonna happen with that, right? I always run out of space. Let's not even talk about the base storage fiasco here. But um, uh. I always run out of space, and they're always like, "These are your least frequently used apps." Here, delete the MTA subway map. I'm like, "Yeah, sure. of course I haven't taken the subway in three months. You want me to delete it?" Um, right. But like you know, it's it's a little it's a little not that smart just yet. So I'm not sure. Even that row of suggested apps that we were talking mm -hmm. about at the start of the show, um, it doesn't show me the apps that I use most frequently for sure. Or even mm -hmm. does it? I've this is how I use my Pixel 3 a lot of the time. I go open my banking app and then I look at my um, account like balance. Then I go open my credit card app so I can make a payment. Right, and I've done right. this repeatedly for a year. And every it says it will suggest to you, it will know your habits and, and try to show you the app that you next want to use. Never, ever, ever <laughs> has there been a scenario where after I open my banking app, they suggest on that suggested row in the all apps drawer, to use the credit card app next. And I'm just wow. like, look, I've been trying to train you up and you're literally being dumb. <laughs> oh, yeah. Being so dumb. Uh, Apple has been doing some of that. There is some, like, app suggestion in the pull-down yeah. menu. Like, I often, like, set my, you know, alarm at night before I go to bed and that'll just resurface when I look for apps and stuff. Yeah, so nice. that sort of stuff is good. Real quick, any major, like, what do you guys want to see? in android 11 like are, is there anything you haven't heard yet from google what is your dream feature pick one what is your Flow dream you feature go. to see oh yeah. this is this is hard um <laughs> is, i i really just want to i know i was <laughs> i really just want to see like uh i want the settings panel to be easier to navigate because i feel like the way mm -hmm. that it is now is very friendly for folks like me and charlene but when mm -hmm. it comes to mm -hmm. Oh yeah. To yeah. folks like my mom and the other people that I that in my life who use Android, like they're super clueless about what is going on in that settings panel. And I think just yep. having an algorithm figure it out for them is not fair because that's not yeah. giving them control over it. That's just like, well, we'll we'll just figure it out for you. Like, no, 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 no. That's not the point of Android. <laughs> like, um, to right. and, and it, make it fully customizable. Yeah, and mm -hmm. I want this might add fuel to the fire, but I was gonna say I feel like that's more of an iOS thing because you use oh. iOS and I. <laughs> yeah, well, let me explain exactly. <laughs> it's because Apple people go to Apple because they don't want to. They just, I don't want to think yes. about it. Sure. I'm talking about sure. mass yes. people. Um, they go to it. Uh -huh. I don't want to think about it. I just want it to be easy. And if you come yeah. to Android, you're like, wow. It's like, that's cool. You can do all yeah. this stuff, but the person is going to yeah. just be overloaded by it. It's not yeah. great for everybody. I think before they used to talk about the idea of having like a simpler mode and a more advanced mode. And I don't, I don't mm. trust Google for usability in general. So yeah, that stuff hasn't really happened. Um, Sherlyn, major feature. I would just like better, like, and I, I don't want this to be a misnomer, but the digital well-being um, thing that they launched a while ago, I want it to be better at 
pinging me less. I want it mm. to be in general. I want fewer notifications. There's too many notifications right now. I get so annoyed so easily nowadays. And the notifications persist for too long sometimes. I can't get rid of some of them too much. So I do think that it's a small ask. I don't need Android to be majorly overhauled. I think that these are tweaks that Google can make fairly easily and if they focus really on on daily use i think they'll get there but i i, I mean i have hope i do mm -hmm. like that i do like that android is like a power user os sort of but if they want to get more you know people on board they can't just rely on something like a kios or like a simple very right. light version of android they need to work harder to make the main os better pixel should be it the should... people's launcher and oh i god. think one plus yes. should be oh should god, be yes. the enthusiast one i feel like we should just <laughs> do it by manufacturer <laughs> yeah. at this point can i just can i just when you were talking about one plus just now and it's os i want to like geek out slightly about cyanogen <laughs> mod and oxygen os because cyanogen mod was such oh it was such a dream oh man i like i i'm so deep in my bones excited about cyanogen so sad well, that it's fine. well that's and that's why we like oxygen because it gives you well, it gives you that oxygen yes. of breath of fresh air yes. <laughs> if you you can cut to me right now just playing like a song in my head as you guys are going what on and on about like? i know what's that simpson song oh you're homer right now yes i'm just like good. okay Listen, I've I've tried a lot of Android devices. I've reviewed Android devices in the past. Yes. It's just not like my daily driver thing. Um, mm -hmm, we don't mm -hmm. we don't quite know what iOS is going to be doing this year. There really haven't no, been many yeah. leaks. There was one thing about call recording, which would be really nice. I would love to record phone calls it. easily and record FaceTime calls. I feel like Apple may not actually release that feature for you know regulatory reasons and yep. privacy reasons. Legally, but it's tough. Yeah. I want I want an easy way to record my calls. People, come on! Every everything can do it. Um, like here's the thing: like I, I think all these OSs they've matured to a point where everyone is just yep. basically doing the basic work. Like they're all cleaning up things, trying to polish their UIs. I can't think of like what new new things I'd want from the iPhone at this point. I was we got, gonna say yeah, we got dark mode last year. We got like you know things improved steadily, but there's any, isn't anything super huge super amazing and maybe <laughs> maybe we're also at the point where people are so used to the way their oss work that like introducing any major sort of yes. change is just annoying it's, it's just going to be annoying yeah. yeah it's dangerous it's like when the iphone 10 launched and like the home button had to go and people are like whoa no. whoa what's happening here <laughs> uh, and my wife who is the android user and i don't know why i don't she she loves i love android. her yeah, i love yeah, her yeah. but i give her my iphone now and she's just like a baby funneling is like how do how do apps work how, do, how does the home screen work I'm has anything work? i'm the same yeah yeah I yeah do this stuff for a living it so. is uh you know <laughs> yeah exactly hopefully i would like some more unified gestures between both platforms that would be kind of nice because i think the the kind of like way you swipe up from an iphone and the the like multitasking system that should be common language that should be how it's working across all our you phones know, yeah you, you and I know that came point. from other things before. That was a Palm Pre, you know, that was a Palm OS, a WebOS invention. <laughs> RIP. Uh, RIP. Yeah, we all, <laughs> that's the real geek one, the thing we love. I need to buy oh, one of those dumb things. I will say that the one thing now that I'm looking forward to, um, you just reminded me, it's not uh -huh. just something that one OS can achieve. You need the combination of all the OSs, not just unified gestures, but... Mm -hmm. universal text messaging come on like the rcs yeah, thing yeah like, let's universal just make text messaging 
Exactly. Cross iOS and cross Android uh, texting that looks the same across all devices. No more green bubble, blue bubble debate. That would be uh-huh. great. Um, Cross-platform gaming. Come oh, on. Oh, man, that would be... More of that stuff. S- s- bring the walls down. I think that yeah. would be great. Uh, I know that the three of us don't really have a lot of ideas left for what to ask from Apple and Google at this point, but I'm sure you do, listeners. So send us an email to podcast.engadget.com if you can tell us what you really want to see in these future OS updates. So, Flo, thank you for joining us. Any any broader thoughts about the Android 11 beta? Thank you for having me. As far yeah. as broader thoughts come, I think in the next couple of days, as I just enforce myself yeah. with this new UI, I'm really going to... I'm yeah. really going to see how I feel about it. Um, but it, it's not going to make me leave Android it's at this point. Right. <laughs> it's not bad. At this point, I'm, I'm in this relationship for life. Right. So right. You're committed. No escaping. We're working through this no matter what. <laughs> Where can we find your work and I guess your future thoughts on this beta? Uh, so you can find my work all over the internet. As I said, the best place to come find me though is florenceion.com. That's my website. Uh, and I also have this neat little link that I, that I set up the other day, uh, flowrights.tech. <laughs> so oh, nice. that, it links to like a notion page that I made where I have like all these links. Cause I didn't want to pay for link tree. So right, 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 <laughs> right. Flow I, I like your personal site by the way, flow, because I keep every time I go to like, try to rebuild my personal site, I look at WordPress oh. for like 15 minutes and just like walk away. So yeah, yeah, yeah you, you it, have it a was good a lot thing of, set up. It, it reminds me of, uh, it reminds me of being young on the internet and yeah. working out. Yeah, I want to do that. Stuff. I want to have fun with my GeoCities <laughs> and it. my yeah. Angel Fire. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I'm going to do this. You've inspired me, Flo. Thank you so much for joining Thank us. Thank you, Flo. Let's dive into what we've been working on. And I want to talk quickly about Intel's new Lakefield chips. Which sound very exciting, right? Uh, These are things, we've been hearing about this for the past couple of years. I think uh, since CES 2018 or 2019, like they, these are low power chips that combine Mm -hmm. one very vast uh, processor core. So a core i3 or core Mm i5 core, it's all getting very confusing. And four (laughs) modern Atom cores. So the Atom, if you'll remember, are the really low power chips that Intel used to put into you know slow like netbooks and slower devices and even some phones like they were trying to make that a thing so this is a chip that combines all of that plus memory into a single processor oh are these the ones that stack like components on top of each other yes this is using oh. intel's foveros 3d packaging technology and this is really cool because they're basically stacking chip components on top of each other like legos if you imagine what a PCB, what, you know, a motherboard looks like. Everything is flat. Everything is on a 2D plane, kind of interconnected, um, you know, on that plane. But it's all all very flat. Now, to save space, um, Intel has basically managed a way to create 3D packaging. So you've got multiple chips, like different types of chips all together. So technically, these are going to be five core processors. And they're going to have four or eight gigabytes of RAM built in. So there's no like extra RAM connection uh, anywhere else in the motherboard. So that means the actual board looks tiny. If you go look at our Lakefield, um, if you go look at my write-up, there's a picture of the board. It looks like maybe like a couple packs of gum or something. It's very small. That's- crazy that's like the fact that they were able to do i remember interviewing someone um from intel about this at Mm -hmm. ces 
either this year or last year every it's hard to keep track yeah Um, but the the idea i was just kind of not say blown away i was i was like this is wild because it's never been done before and it will save a lot of space it saves a lot of like it gives you more Mm -hmm. room to squeeze in other components like battery yeah a lot, a lot of companies have been exploring this, and I think as far mm-hmm. as chip designs go, this not, listen, I'm sure this sounds kind of boring to you if you're just here for, like, gadget talk, but I'll say this is going to be the is... heart of future gadgets, yes. right? This is going to be the thing that's going to be in foldables and really, really thin laptops. So I know the uh, the Galaxy Book S that you yes. really enjoyed uh, at CES, Lynn. So there was the Snapdragon version. This is a Snapdragon competing processor. Yes, okay, I so... would be excited to see yeah. what it brings to the table especially in the space of connected pcs yeah so very super super thin laptops i'm talking like mm-hmm. one pound one and a half pounds um that i mean the galaxy book s is a gorgeous yeah. gorgeous laptop yes i can't wait that's gonna be one of the first ones with this chip we know yeah. um the surface neo uh the like Ooh, dual screen surface dual screen, is gonna yeah. be running one of these these aren't gonna be powerful Ooh. processors but it's really the combination of a faster core plus some really good low power cores it can really do some cool stuff. So this is going to be how Intel is taking on Qualcomm and Qualcomm's big push to get into laptops. And this is all mm-hmm. interesting as we're hearing rumors about Apple potentially announcing their first uh, ARM-based MacBooks, which means, you know, MacBooks powered by mobile processors. Um, this is a really interesting time we're in. WWD, <laughs> WWDC is in a couple weeks. So we're going to see what Apple's up to and things are going to get really interesting, you know? I never thought I'd say this, but I'm very excited about these processor wars. <laughs> I am, Why am I so into this? Because this is so weird. this is who you are, Shalyn. This is These are oh, your true colors. No. I remember where I was. I was sitting in my IT department, uh, I think like 2005 or 2006, when Apple announced the Intel chip move and how monumental that was. So, and that completely changed the way Apple, you know, Macs worked. For the past, you know, mm. 15 years at this point. So this is going to be another major change. Um, it's all very exciting. Go check out my yeah. Lakefield coverage. And uh, we're also, remember, we're looking forward to another upcoming Intel mobile chip in a couple of months, Tiger Lake. And that's going to be the one that has, like, very powerful hardware. And that's going to be the one for, like, gaming notebooks and stuff. So, yeah, exciting times. Um, stay tuned for all of our chip news, folks. Uh, what one- else are you working on? One other thing, uh, I checked out What If I, which is a mobile video startup that's a little similar to Quibi, but I'd say a much better Quibi. Uh, first of all, they've raised only ten million dollars, and it's weird to say this in this industry. Only, only. ten million, mm. only ten million from Andreessen Horowitz and a couple other folks. But compare that to Quibi, which has raised a total of nearly two billion dollars, and you see the like level of like uh, the playing field is so different for these two companies so what if i is making custom mobile movies that are sort of like choose your own adventure games so at key points uh you could be like uh do you want this character to take a drink or put the bottle down or something like that and you can swipe up swipe down and you know you'll continue along to a path to a specific ending there are two movies right now they each have between like 25 and 50 different endings so there's like a reason for you to go back and play through these things. So yeah, this sounds like Netflix's Choose Your Own Adventure. It is. But it's like... very similar. Yeah. Okay. But it's also party based. So you can join up Ooh. with your friends. So I could sit and, you know, watch this movie along with you. And when we get to decision point, and it's not happening like at the same time, but mm-hmm. basically we'll hit the decision point around the same time. You make a choice. 
I make a choice, it gets pulled. And then the whole group, like everybody has to concur on one choice for it to move forward. But you can also go into like a private chat and just like fight with each other about like how dumb you are for what you chose so it's like this weird social choose your own adventure experience so i watched one movie called as dead as it gets and it reminds me a lot of dead like me that show from like um i don't know 15 years ago at this point god damn uh that's from brian fuller one of my favorite tv writers he wanted to do hannibal Mm. he went on to like kick off star trek discovery and then left that so amazing guy um but this is a show uh or this is a movie about a world where um, the dead are kind of still roaming around and they kind of help people who just recently got hurt. And by following their instructions, you could either come back to life or you end up being dead forever. If you end up, if you're a ghost, like a half dead person (laughs) who touches another human, you're dead forever. So that's the, that's the like goal of they have to help you avoid. And that you can also, if you're half dead, you cannot see everyone else is invisible. So it's, hmm. it, these ghosts have to kind of help you out. It's kind of cool. This is a 2D, like it's, it's not a, a VR normal game. movie. It's a okay. normal movie oh, and it's a right, vertical duh. movie too, which is a format I uh. normally hate watching. But if you're making, the, you know, this whole thing is made for you to swipe really easily when these decision mm-hmm. points come. Uh, you can't really do that easily in horizontal because horizontal mm-hmm. takes, you have to hold your phone with two hands two basically. Hands, yeah. So this, you can hold your phone like normal, watch this movie. It's well produced, well written. Uh, these are all British productions at this point too. So it feels like I'm watching just like, you know, one of the many random British shows I always watch on Amazon or Netflix or whatever, um, except I have a bit of like decision making. I can I can choose where the story goes. And how, got, long, how long is it? Every play session I think is between, it could be like 10 minutes. It could be like 15 mm-hmm. to 20 minutes. But I'll tell you, okay. I sat down. I just felt like, I'm going to check this thing out. I ended up playing like 45 minutes of Ooh. this thing to get several different endings. Uh, I feel like you would get pretty obsessed with it, Sherlyn. So I yeah. would, I'll probably have to check it out. It's yeah. like a free app or something. It's a free app. They're not charging okay. or doing ads or anything right now. It's called What If I, one word. What if I, it's only on iPhone at the moment. Oh, sorry, Sherlyn. Sorry. Oh, I have an iPhone. I just, oh. <laughs> you have, so you have an iPhone. Um, I have an iPhone that I don't use, yes. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Charge up your iPhone for this. I think it's really cool. And to me, this really proves like, okay, this is using mobile in an interesting way, right? It's yeah. using my touch screen. It's giving me interactivity. It's bring. It's making it social. I can share clips. I can share photos. Mm-hmm. I can share screenshots mm-hmm. with friends. And I can watch things alongside my friends. All these things that Quibi could not do. Quibi was all about just sitting and watching a dumb show <laughs> on your phone in both directions. Uh, Qu- by the way, Quibi just announced that they're going to announce uh, they're going to have Chromecast streaming soon. I think very soon. So that makes sense. That's something. Uh, sure. But anyway, check out Wattify. I think it's pretty cool. I wrote it up. Uh, it didn't get much coverage, but this is a cool. It, it's from like a, a, a couple of European startup founders too. So they're mm. not like big names or anything. So they're pretty indie. They're yeah. pretty. I mean, ten million dollars isn't quite indie, oh, but in the yeah. world of startups, that's actually not that much for you know a first round of funding. So. That's a, that's the scale I'm talking about here. Compared to Quibi's two billion dollars, uh, what if I feels like an indie startup at this point? So I'm looking forward to seeing where they go, and I'm going to play more of these things for sure. So what have you been working on, Sherlyn? Uh, you mean when I'm not crying or when <laughs> things are not just a blur? Yeah, between yeah. 
from i mean this week i've been working on all that android stuff you see on our site already um we had to do a really quick turnaround on the hands-on but you know it feels like i did a show like <laughs> this would have been a google io kind of a yeah, hands-on yeah, yeah. i would have been like crazed trying to get demos from their like demo keynote area and then quickly just killing myself to like write the thing into our cms and have app like asap and that was basically what i had to do except yeah. for weird like at home and i don't know i, I kind of anyway. felt like that too by the way with all the microsoft crap yeah. so they are spreading yeah. out these events in different ways yeah exactly so they're still happening they're just taking place in our <laughs> homes so yeah so that was this week and then for next week you'll i mean we're working on a lot of behind the scenes stuff so i'm taking a bunch of briefings and news coming up but also our back to school guide is in the works uh, and also taking some time off like between now and the next episode of the podcast i'll be taking some time off so i might not you know have a lot of work show up on the site but you know okay plenty going on in the background you deserve it shalin and Aww. i'll tell you during your time off you should probably watch mythic quest on apple tv plus oh, look at that. which oh, is gonna be that. that's an, that's my pick <laughs> for this week i've talked about it before but recently, uh, in the past few weeks, they've done a special episode, a quarantine episode, that is all about that was clearly just written and produced in the past couple, Ooh. you know, months. Um, but it's all about the cast being stuck at home, doing everything over video chat. So it all feels very close to home. And I think it is it's half an hour, but it really encapsulates like what's so good about Mythic Quest because it is about these strong personalities. Um, you know, kind of workaholics who don't quite know how to exist if they're mm. always if they're not always working. Them mm. dealing with the isolation of mm. being under quarantine and them finding some sort of like connection to each other, even if it's over mm. video chat. You know, you still have your friends. You could still enjoy things and love things together, even though we're all trapped at home. So this episode, I think, is really it's perfect. It's emotional and just like really. Um, there's some really cool, hopeful stuff. Like there's a, the final sequence of this episode, which I will not spoil here. I think is a is a remarkable bit of engineering and cool mm. stuff. So it's worth watching just for this. But I also think Mythic Quest in general is a great show. It's a great show about being in a workaholic environment, uh, being in a game development studio. Uh, it's really funny. It's from yeah. Rob McElhenney, the you know one of the guys behind It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Has a great mm. cast. Um, it's it starts off a little slow and I've recommended it to people and they're like, oh, I don't like the first or two one or two episodes. I will say stick with it. I think episode five is the one where they, they go like completely on a side story and do like a romantic comedy type thing. I think you'd really love it, Trillin. Are they like self-contained episodes or mm -hmm. is there an arc that I need to watch the first episode? You need to, to watch. It's an arc. You need to watch the okay. whole thing. Uh, but the one in the middle is actually pretty self-contained. It kind of okay. weirdly echoes into the modern timeline but it's, a, it's kind of a flashback episode that is very much a romantic comedy set in the world of game development which mm. i kind of love it's great so i think binge this watch the show it's uh the perfect thing to dive into if you're still trapped at home shirlin what have you been watching Frankly, I haven't been watching a lot lately, other than now that I know how to get HBO Max, I've been re-binging a lot of friends. Um, but I've also been trying to, you know, get myself educated on, uh, you know, entertainment and content created by Black creators. Um, the really good news is that around last week or two weeks ago, when all the Black Lives Matter protests were happening, mm -hmm. um, Michael B. Jordan 
and I guess his team made their movie Just Mercy uh, completely free on pretty much every platform. So you can go to YouTube and look for it and then yeah. like just hit the rent option. It's just zero dollars. I'll, I'll uh, say, also, by the way, a lot of racial justice movies are available for free on every platform now. So iTunes yeah. also has like Michael Mann's Ali, which is a crazy good movie that not enough people mm. have seen. But yeah, mm. things like that. So yeah, what did you think of this? I... <laughs> I'll admit, I know I'm rec recommending it, but I haven't watched it yet. Like, I started watching it, and then I just needed, to, like, some time to myself to just decompress, so I couldn't. Um, but the the trailer and the... Um, I saw the trailer. It looks really good. Michael B. Jordan, obviously amazing. Um, the premise, you've seen it, Devendra. I'd rather you tell people sure. what you think about it rather before I just talk about it without knowing. Yeah, this is a movie that stars Michael B. Jordan as uh, Brian Stevenson. He's a renowned civil rights mm -hmm. defense attorney who moves to Alabama to basically fight for people who are on death row because he fundamentally believes the death sentence is unjust. Mm -hmm. And we have this weird situation in this country where we, you know, we apply justice in really harsh ways. And I personally don't believe in the death penalty either. I don't think mm -hmm. a state should be involved in killing its citizens. And mm. this is a movie that just really dives into the humanity of people on death row. Uh, Jamie Foxx mm -hmm. plays somebody who is there because he's been falsely accused. Ooh. And his city basically put him there because he was an easy victim. Like, they wanted a way to solve this murder. But literally, there's no evidence. There's no motive. There's no nothing tying him to this crime. And he ended up spending, like, seven or eight years on death row for this thing he didn't do. And the entire movie is about how uh, this lawyer kind of deals with it. I think it's 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 phenomenal. It's well acted. It's well directed. Destin Daniel Cretton, who is one of my favorite directors working today, um, uh, he is a Asian Hawaiian director who's been mm. making like really cool, like really interesting things. You should check out Short Term Twelve, Sherlyn, a movie that will reduce you to a puddle because it's about. Ooh. People working. Do I really want to be reduced to a puddle again? <laughs> yeah, it's about people working in sort of like um, a house for orphaned kids oh, and what they ooh. everything they have to deal with. And Short Term Twelve, by the way, is uh, he did that as a short originally, like a short film. But then the actual movie has a phenomenal cast. You know, Brie Larson, uh, Captain Marvel herself, <laughs> Rami Malek, um, Lakeith Stanfield, and Brie Larson ooh. is also in Just Mercy. They tend to work together a lot. I think he like as a director. He is uh, he is really interesting, and he is also doing mm -hmm. uh, a Marvel movie soon. Ooh. He's doing Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which I am uh, I'm kind of looking forward to. And that one's going to start Aquafina and Simu really, Liu. So oh, I really want to see yeah. it. So this guy's good. His movies are good, and his like range across like dramatic work and all sorts of stuff is great. So um, you did you see how much of the movie did you see, Sherlyn? I watched like the trailer and then I haven't even really started. I <laughs> oh, will, so you, you've I, not I actually watched to. anything. Okay. Yeah, but I think that it's important for me to like really study up on you the should. racial inequality in this country and to watch um, stuff by black creators. Now, you mm -hmm. mentioned that this director for this movie has Asian heritage. Yep. Um, which he is, is funny Hawaiian. because. Yeah. Yeah, so he's like a he's Hawaiian and you know and Just Mercy is about black racial injustice. Mm -hmm. My friend Salima Karoma, she's black, but she produced a documentary about Asian rappers a while ago, and <laughs> I wanted to shout out to her because also around the same time last week, um, her and Spring Hill Entertainment made an announcement that 
they're going to work together and produce a documentary about Black Wall Street. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really familiar with the history here, Dev. Uh, you know your you know your country's history a bit better than <laughs> I do. Do you I understand mean, what this is about? I'll try. I mean, this is a this is a crazy thing of like the basically a white race riot against Ooh. this very successful black community in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, that happened, you know, decades ago, uh, a mm. long, long time ago. But it's a core part of our history. And it's never really taught. And it's mm-hmm. funny because the oh, the first time I've seen it turned like actually uh, dramatized is in freaking Watchmen. HBO's Watchmen opens up. So that's up what it was about with oh. the Tulsa race riots, and oh, it right, is right, right. Yeah, it's a uh, it, it's a crazy thing. So I'm glad to see that somebody's exploring this more in documentary form. Yeah. So um, mm-hmm. LeBron James is going to be part of the producing team on this, and Salima is excellent. She's such a great person, and she's already made Bad Rap, which was on the awards circuit for a while. Oh yeah, yeah, now, yeah. Yeah. Now it's on Netflix and basically every streaming platform, but it's on Netflix for free everywhere else. You kind of have to pay like two mm-hmm. to three dollars. But yeah, I mean, she's great. And there's plenty of good work out there by black creators. If you well, take, let me just shout out here too, because like if you look yeah. on uh, iTunes or whatever, or Amazon, even YouTube, mm-hmm. uh, Selma is available for free. Oh, yeah. Ava DuVernay's uh, incredible Martin Luther King movie. I mentioned Ali, mm-hmm. which is a messy movie, but I think the first 15 minutes of that is an incredible work of editing and just like mm-hmm. really putting you in the like cultural in the like place that Muhammad mm-hmm. Ali was like in the middle of uh, the civil rights period and how much he fought for representation. And also Ava DuVernay's the 13th uh, or 13th, which is about um, charting the 13th amendment, basically connecting slavery and our prison industrial complex. Uh, that documentary is up also for free. It's on Netflix too. Uh, definitely worth a watch. If you want like a primer of why everything is so fucked up in America, Sherlyn, like basically <laughs> watch 13th and then okay. move on from there. Go to Selma. Uh, th- yeah. There's a lot of great stuff. And so that's it for our episode this week, everyone. Thank you as always for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Davindra online at... At Davindra on Twitter, and I podcast about movies and TV, if you couldn't guess, uh, at SlashFilm.com, at the SlashFilmcast there, so check that out. I tweet about anything but movies and TV, I think, and you Lies. can find me You can find me at Sherlyn Lowe on Twitter. Email us your thoughts at podcast at Engadget.com. Leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe on any podcast platform of choice, including Spotify. 